Pixel Therapy is a member of the But Why Though Podcast Network. Go to butwhythopodcast.com for an inclusive geek community offering pop culture news, reviews, and podcasts. The Halo fans are just screaming, <laughs> right screaming. now. I'm sorry. I know guys. nothing about Halo either, so either, so I can't even I can't even help here. Uh, I grew up on Sony. I have no I'm interested in trying Halo Infinite, but it would be my first Halo game yeah! ever. And I have no real understanding of who Master Chief is or what that story is. There's a Cortana too. Oh, which yeah. I think is like an His Amazon AI Alexa. Assistant. <laughs> yeah. It's like Alexa. Oh, I'm sorry, Halo fans. Oh my god. <laughs> Welcome to Pixel Therapy, the video game podcast where we look at the games we play through the lens of the player, where what you play is just as important as how you play it, and where emotional intelligence is a critical stat. Every other week, we bring on a guest who may or may not consider themselves a gamer to discuss the games that have made them and changed them, and all the feelings they have about our favorite pastime. I'm your co-host, Jamie, pronouns she, her. And I'm your co-host, Spencer, pronouns they, them. And this is Pixel Therapy. Folks, it is our final episode of the year. Holy cow. Where did 2021 go? Ah, <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> Crying inside. Uh, so let's kick things off as we always do with our Patreon shout outs. This is our special little thank you to all of our Patreon supporters who subscribed at the name in the credits tier for the month of November. So a lovely warm pixel therapy. Thank you to Val, Genevieve, Lindsay, Grace, Jackie, Ben, and Cortland. Thank you all so much for your support last month. We couldn't do this without you. Remember, if you lovely listener want to get your name in the credits, you should hop on over to patreon.com slash pixel therapy pod, where you can unlock monthly bonus episodes for just $2 a month or chip in a little extra to show your support and get a shout out in every episode. Of course, if you're a fan of what we do here on pixel therapy, and I sure hope you are, if you're listening to this episode, there are lots. Yeah. Oh, I hope the haters aren't giving us the click. That's all I got to say. Uh, <laughs> Click's a click, people. Yeah. As long as you just keep it to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There are lots of other ways to support the show, though, including sharing us with your friends and family and rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. All that stuff uh, does help as well. And you can also show your support by dropping us a comment or a question to read on the show. Uh, just send us an email at pixeltherapypod at gmail.com because we very much would love to hear from you. Again, unless you're a hater, in which case, you know, bye-bye. But thanks for the click. Thanks for the click. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Spencer, it's time to get cozy. Pull up your armchair. Feel free to lie down on the couch. Let's talk about our feelings. How are you doing? I'm good, Jamie. Uh, Woke up today and... It like, okay, I'm kind of pissed, honestly, because it was supposed to snow. The Uh news told us we might get six inches. So Mm -hmm. I, you know, the propane tank was full. Well, who doesn't want six inches? (laughs) Right. (laughs) We got, um, you know, I mean, hey, six inches is fun to see and then not have to deal with. So I guess maybe (laughs) that's that's what I say before I have to um, shovel the driveway. But... I mean, it doesn't even matter because I woke up this morning and it was like no snow on the ground. However, what we did get was a 
thin blanket of ice covering everything, mm. every blade of gla- every blade of grass, every <laughs> leaf, every stone. It's what like a, a slip and slide out there. <laughs> <laughs> a slip and slide. Oh my gosh, how did the pup do? Uh, he's he loves it. His favorite thing. Uh, we have a, a dog named Odin who I'm, uh, we adopted just about a month ago, and uh, or I guess a, a month and a half at this point. We ad- got him on Halloween. Time flies. Um, <laughs> and he really loves the snow. He loves good, to good. jump in like an Arctic fox mm, and stick his yes. nose like deep into the snow and like snuffle around under the ground oh. and I guess get all the smells of what's going on under the surface. However, yeah. he did come up yesterday with a dead bird. So I've decided to start paying some more attention <laughs> to what he's getting after. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. You gotta love that uh that prey drive that like look, yeah. I found something that smells awesome here yeah. you go would you Yay, like this, this thing. <laughs> should i destroy it um so it's funny because he typically he's not very um like a little bunny can run by him and he'll kind of just be like hmm that's cool but then occasionally he'll find like an already dead mouse or like mm. a bird or something and he's mm-hmm. like woohoo look at this check this out let me just strip it apart right in front of you isn't that fun and i'm just like sir you have toys why (laughs) oh no yeah dogs am i right yeah i also uh i spent eight straight hours on friday as i had the day off and i Mm -hmm. started playing tales of arise on my my gosh um so that was cool too <laughs> dang <laughs> eight straight hours i man i haven't had a session like that in forever that sounds fantastic oh i used my it God. to catch up to you yeah well you did um because i you know we talked about this a bit on our our patreon bonus episode mm-hmm. uh so if anyone is interested to hear more about that you could go you know you could go go, go unlock there, it go over there uh you know to uh to, to, to patreon.com slash pixel therapy pod and just uh just uh, just uh give it that a little click but um yeah so as we talked about on the ep- that episode i have also started tales of arise and i was playing for about a week but only playing in like 90 minute to three hour chunks mm. and yeah you've already we're right we're in line now we're in it's sync. Like we've that. synced up we've synced up it's the ceo <laughs> gaming hours where you find those 90 minute pockets at 5 a.m before the house wakes <laughs> up or your dog has to pee well see no i'm getting mine in like in the evening <laughs> oh my god yeah like 10 to but, midnight Mm, more like nine to eleven. Oh, okay. That's so different. <laughs> it's well, it's different enough. Okay, I was just I wanted to be uh, specific. While I'm sleeping, listeners, she's breaking out the controller. Well, you're doing that in the morning while I'm sleeping. So yeah, we're like two shifts fair. passing in the night. <laughs> you got the early shift. I got the late shift. Yeah, there we go. Um, well, I mean, enough about me. How are you doing? Um, you know, I am, I'm upright, which feels like an achievement these days. Uh, I believe I've referenced it before, but I do work in live performance theater and tis the season for holiday shows. So, uh, and and also the same time of year that all the staff wants to go home and see their families, which I don't begrudge them and will willingly let them go. But Mm -hmm. It does mean, uh, you know, my privilege as a manager is to work all of the hours instead. So no. that's what I'm doing. Working a lot, um, but really looking forward to the the, up, the impending break. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll get a little over a week off of work and it's going to be a goddamn delight. 
games, so. games, games all day. Looking forward to that. And it's so bizarre to me that y'all are getting so much like you're getting like real snow out there because mm. we haven't really had real snow yet. We had like a, a good dusting like a week ago, mm. but no real snow yet. Yeah, so, it was like 60 degrees the other day Fahrenheit. Sorry for all of our <laughs> non-Fahrenheit using listeners, but. So it was a balmy and warm, almost t-shirt weather situation. And then the next day, it's like snow warning. And then we wake up to this ice blanket. So yeah, gotta love it. I don't, I don't care for the ice. The ice can fuck off. Yeah. Something I'm learning is that I uh, need to make sure. So I have a wood pile outside. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I keep forgetting is that even though the wood pile is covered, and it needs airflow, so it's like mostly just the top is covered. This is like mm. wood knowledge that I didn't even know. You have to kind of like let it air out so that it actually is dry enough to be burn burned. Um, okay. But when things like snow or ice blankets come, and all of your wood has a layer of ice, and you have to chip it out and then carry it inside and then defrost it for like two days so that all the moisture is gone and you can burn it. Oh boy! Yeah, I'm just like learning things about planning ahead. I'm kind of a fly by the seat of my pants kind of person, but <laughs> like becoming an adult and like having to take care of myself more than I did in the city. Um, it's just a lesson in preparedness. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I guess, yeah, just having to remember to <laughs> chip the wood out of the wood pile and let it sit for a few days and, you know. Don't let it get snowed on because then yeah. you're really fucked. I don't know. I guess I'm like, on the other hand, though, it's giving me lots of great video game ideas. Like, I feel like that could yeah. be a really cool game, like wood management sim. <laughs> <laughs> All of the video game ideas that you have, just for the record, are like our sims. <laughs> yeah. Like, sims of intricate tasks involved with taking care of pets and or a country household (laughs) there's so many games like i there's lawn mowing your lawn simulator yep there's Mm -hmm. farm simulator Mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm. um a new game i just saw on xbox game pass was uh space warlord organ trading simulator Oh, yes, I did see that. Which I did download just because of the name, and I did yeah. find it very overwhelming and hard to play. So, <laughs> But there's that. Hey, if they can do it and get featured on Game Pass, then so can I. There you no go. No shade to the team making Organ Warlord trading sim. Love you guys. But also Kispo, <laughs> because there's tons of mundane tasks that I could totally gamify. Yes, this is true. This is true. Well, I can't wait to see uh, your next sim game. I can't wait to see Wood Management 2022. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, Coming mm -hmm. soon to uh, Game Pass near you. But Spencer, it is still the year of our Lord 2021. And you and I have played some fantastic video games this year. And so in in lieu of an interview today, we are going to be taking the time to celebrate some of the games we played this year that really made it a great year a bearable <laughs> for year. video games. <laughs> okay. Bearable is probably more accurate than great. It was a <laughs> tolerable year because of some of the awesome video games that you and I got to play. Mm-hmm. So this is our game of the year episode. Uh, if you were with us last year, uh, holy shit, you've been listening to us for a year. Thank you so much. Yeah, oh my God. Um, <laughs> but if you weren't with us last year, uh, Spencer and I don't do like a traditional game of the year list. Like we're not really like counting down our top whatever games of the year. But we want to give a few shout outs 
to some games that stood out to us for different reasons. We make up some funny little awards for them. And then at the end of that, we will uh, each talk a bit about what is our personal like game of the year, the game that had the most impact on us this year that, that um, meant the most to us. So mm-hmm. we're going to do that now. Would you like to go first, Spencer? Before we go, can I just say one thing? I actually sure. spent the time. So Jamie, as a sane and organized person, uses a website to keep track of all the games she's played, which is called what is it GG. Called? GG. It's the GG app. And it's awesome. And I should use it. But I don't because I forget about it periodically. And so what I did this morning was went back through all of my emails and found all of my receipts from all of the games I've downloaded thanks to the magic of digital game downloads. Um, (laughs) I have to say, PlayStation is the best about this. Uh, um, Nintendo is the absolute worst about it because Mm, they just mm -hmm. send you an email that says, you spent money. It doesn't say what game you bought. (laughs) And then Xbox is okay about it because they you have to log into your microsoft account and it's kind Mm. of hard to find the xbox section but once you do you can kind of see like what you downloaded so anyway that's just a quick aside sony good job on the purchase history ui but um (laughs) i played 21 games this year which oh dang i mean i've i would say up until we started the podcast i might have played like two or three games in a year yeah (laughs) i think last year i played like four 14 or 15 and so this year at playing 21 i was kind of proud of myself for my range how many do you think i played (laughs) oh my god let's say i so played the number would be even bigger but let's say completed that's what i'm really tracking the number of games i completed this year (gasps) 29 31 wow (laughs) yeah completed 31 years download Oh, I don't keep track of that oh, number. God. It would be far too big. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's also all the ones that I buy that just go straight into my backlog and will probably never be touched. So yeah. we don't speak of those. We don't speak of them. It's like books. It just feels good to collect them and display them in your digital shelf. <laughs> yeah. Capitalism. <laughs> consumerism. Doesn't it just feel good? Sometimes you just need that little hit. That little hit. <laughs> a little dopamine yeah. hit. And, you know, you just got to press buy. You just got to press buy and download. And then a week later, you'll delete it from the console. Absolutely. it again. Speaking of, (laughs) I guess I should. So this first game award I have is for a game that I have not yet played, but I am staining it here because it's my New Year's resolution to play it. Okay. (laughs) So I hope that it will not be one of those to sit and languish on my digital shelf. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. But the game I'm going to say uh, uh-huh. The award I'm giving it is the Most Intimidating to Begin Award. Okay. <laughs> and that game is Halo Infinite. Ooh, okay. So Halo is a storied franchise. Uh, it's basically like, I don't know, you can't really think about Xbox without thinking about Halo, I feel yeah. like. Um, it's a first-person shooter game developed by 343 Industries and published by Xbox Game Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Halo has a very dedicated and rich fan base. And so as someone who I basically know who Master Chief is, he's like a guy who wears a lot of armor and we don't really see his face. And he Mm -hmm. has to go around like doing shooting campaigns to like save. There's like an alien war going on and it's like (laughs) a lot of um, he's like a badass and he has this thing called like a grapple hook and he like flies around and can do Mm -hmm. that. And uh yeah, that's my that's my context for Halo. But 
I wanted to say a little bit. <laughs> the Halo about... fans are just screaming, <laughs> screaming right now. I'm sorry. I know guys. nothing about Halo either, so, either, so I can't even I can't even help here. Uh, I grew up on Sony. I have no. I'm interested in trying Halo Infinite, but it would be my first Halo game yeah. ever, and I have no real understanding of who Master Chief is or what that story is. There's a Cortana too. Oh, yeah. I think is like an his Amazon AI Alexa assistant. <laughs> yeah, it's like Alexa. Oh, I'm sorry, Halo fans. Oh my god, the disrespect right now. Oi. Um, I guess I'd say if you are someone who loves Halo and wants to hear people talking about Halo better than us, um, our friends over at Finish the Fight podcast um, have a lot of great Halo content, and yeah, they definitely taught us that there is much to love about Halo. Yes. <laughs> um. So I guess. Long story short, I have this uh, little bit of a piece from Jeffrey Parkin writing for Polygon about Halo Infinite. And he writes, what makes Halo Infinite special is the way that it feels simultaneously like two decades worth of Halo and also entirely new. It's both a reinvigoration and a reinvention of the franchise. Our favorite genetically enhanced protagonist a.k.a. Master Chief, I knew that, is still solving the galaxy's problems by shooting hordes of alien baddies in this game, but it's also so much more. Infinite brings Halo to a semi-open map with a combination of story missions, secret locations, and emergent world events. There's still plenty of super-soldiering to be done, but you're also rescuing marine squads, destroying propaganda towers, and reclaiming bases. Halo Infinite is the story of an entire open world rather than that of just one soldier. So that makes me very excited to play this game because it feels a lot more like the type of games I like, which is not just the first-person shooter part, but also a bit of exploration, open world, mysteries, some character building. So I don't know. I think this could be the key for me to become a Halo fan. Um, I'm kind of willing to uh, put aside my fear of guns and shooty (laughs) things and try this out. I love that. Uh, and I'm, I'm also planning to check it out, so I can't wait to... Yeah, I'll, I'll keep you honest. I'll be yeah, checking in. <laughs> I'm like, did you actually play that? Because you put it on your Game of the Year list, yeah. and if you don't play it... It's on now. I have to. If you don't play it, you'll have to quit the podcast. Exactly. Okay. Out of shame. <laughs> right, I'll have to resign in disgrace. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, so the first award that I'll be giving today is the game that was too damn smart for me. Uh (laughs) AKA the game that made me feel not very smart at all. Oh my God. And uh, that award goes to Disco Elysium, Uh. specifically the the Final Cut edition. Uh. (laughs) So Disco Elysium is a role-playing video game uh, developed and published by, I'm not sure if you pronounce this or if you spell it, it's Z-A slash U-M. Z-A-U-M. Uh, the game takes place in a large city still recovering from a war decades prior to the game's start with players taking the role of an amnesiac detective who has been tasked with solving a murder mystery. This is the first, like, I would say very traditional RPG that I have played. Hmm. Um, a very, very text heavy game, but still a really beautiful art style. The game originally came out in, uh, I believe 2019, late 2019, uh, to PC, mm-hmm. um, but it was ported over to consoles this year, and that was where I played it on PlayStation. Uh, and they added to this version; they added a lot more uh, voice acting and made the text a bit bigger, <laughs> so mm-hmm. you can actually read it on your TV. <laughs> the premise of the game, as I said, is you know you're playing as this detective who is 
such a piece of shit that he was on such an intense alcohol and drug bender that he has completely lost the memory of who he is. As well. Uh, when does. you start the game, you don't even know your name. <laughs> you just wake up in this trashed hotel room uh, with no memory because you've just completely wiped yourself out from being a horrible piece of shit. Nice. And uh, you go about trying to investigate this murder. Uh, the saving grace of the game is the guy that's your partner. His name is Kim Kitsuragi, and he is fantastic. The voice acting for him is great. Mm. Uh, the way he presents is awesome. And the way you can kind of decide how much you're going to tell Kim about what's actually going on mm. with you is really interesting, too, because he's not uh, he wasn't your partner before this. Basically, this murder has happened kind of in between these two police districts. And so you have to work with uh, this cop from another district or this mm. detective from another district. The characters in the game are amazing. The dialogue in the game is amazing. Like this game is written the way you would write a novel. Like it is so in depth. And one of the more intriguing things that the game does that a lot of people have shouted out uh, before me is that your stats in the game, uh, things like your, you know, your intellect, your ability to like, they call it shivers, but it's kind of like the way you're like tapped into the spirit of the city. Mm. Um, Things like your, uh, your authority as an officer, all of these things are manifested as voices in your head that are mm. speaking to you at any given time. And you decide if you're going to, how and when you're going to engage with them. And through engaging with them, you can in- help increase those stats. Mm. So it has this really interesting way of you're, you're getting your character's interior, but it's represented in kind of this fractured way of all of these different voices talking to you at any given time. And that, simple mechanic is just employed so interestingly throughout the game. There's so many points you're making decisions or trying to figure out if a character's telling you the truth or not. And you might have different aspects of your abilities talking to you wow. at different things. Like you might have your, your drama sense might be telling you, Oh, this person's definitely telling the truth. Whereas another sense might be telling you this person's lying and you kind of have to decide which instinct you're going to rely on in this situation. Uh, but the game does have a lot, like as you dig into the politics of the world and the depth of what's happening, there is a pretty like core narrative that I think is easy enough to follow, but there's also so much in this game that's asking real questions about, um, society and systemic issues in society and how we try to address those and Mm. and what the right way is to go. And then there's, there's this other layer of like meta happening that I, that it would be spoilery to dig into but i did end up feeling by the end of the game like i could re like almost like a novel i felt like i needed to replay the game to tr- actually try to understand it better i think there's so much the game was trying to say that some of it landed for me and some of it didn't because it is so it's it's dense like a mm. good book mm. um so yeah the g- it made me feel like it was too smart for me, but I was also infinitely intrigued by it. Mm-hmm. And and so I definitely wanted to put it on my list of of most impactful games I've played this year. Definite shout out to Alex Korobelnikova, who yes. joined us on the show talking about Disco Elysium, and mm-hmm. the game has not left my mind since then. Um, it's funny you mentioned it was the game that made you feel uh, like not smart, because yeah. I think... Uh, before I decided on Halo Infinite in terms of game that was most intimidating to begin, I had initially put Disco. <laughs> yeah. But um, 
I knew that you had played it this year. And so I thought maybe you had some stuff you wanted to say about it. So I didn't, I didn't want to steal that spotlight, but it's so <laughs> funny because I also am just, I, it keeps staring at me. It's one of those games on my digital shelf and it yeah. keeps staring at me, but I'm so overwhelmed by the immensity of it. Um, but yeah. I also think what you said about how it's a game that makes you want to play it again to understand it better. Mm-hmm. I think that's incredible because I, mm-hmm. I often feel like, um, I don't know, maybe it's because games take so much from me emotionally that like if it's a game like Ghost of Tsushima, for example, um, is a game that I don't know if I can play it again because it the emotional impact yeah. it had on me was just so much that I almost don't want to reopen, at least not yet. Um, I guess I'm just saying that games that are so overwhelming to me, I often find that I play them once and then I'm like, okay, time to make room for something else. But a game that has so much that it feels like it's almost could be a different game the next time you play it. Um, I don't know. That's just really intriguing to me. And it feels like it speaks to just what a masterpiece it is that it kind of can beckon you back in um, and still feel uh, like it's like there's more to uncover and more to understand. Yeah. And and I think you hit the nail on the head in the fact that like, this is an, int- I think it is an intimidating, intimidating game to pick up. Um, I not mechanically, you know, I could move the character on the screen. I could, I could get them to do what I wanted them to do. But I think in terms of the, the depth of the systems and the depth of the narrative and the world that they've created and trying to understand that. um, And, and because your character is an amnesiac, like you are positioned, put in a position where you can ask a lot of in-depth questions about the world to characters. And they accept that because you can just say like, yeah, I don't remember anything from before a day ago. So can you explain to me our entire political system again? Um, And it's, it's intimidating to try to have those conversations, but I think there's a lot of interesting stuff that the game developers are trying to say about the world in there. And, and I, I do think I, at some point I'd like to go back and try to unpack it. And I also think, you can really approach the game in a different, very different way. Like this isn't the kind of game where you're going to be able to max out all of your stats. Mm. So you kind of have to decide what sort of cop and what sort of person you want to be. And I played the game a bit closer to like, I think how I try to be in real life, which is where I put most Mm. of my stat points and focus more on like, um, sort of the path that was focused on relating to other people, like put a lot, I had very high empathy. So Mm. when I was talking to folks, I could understand where they were coming from and kind of intuit whether or not they were telling me the truth, but you could also put a lot of points into being like very athletic and, and physical. And then you could kind of like physically fight your way through things, physically get yourself through doors. Like you don't necessarily, you know, I was more interested in being intellectual and empathetic, but Mm. there's a completely different way you could have played play that game and approach those problems and and probably get very different results so cool yeah what's your next award so next on the on deck i have sorry that pun will make sense in a couple seconds (laughs) i have the thanks for helping me discover a new fear award (laughs) and that award goes to subnautica (laughs) 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 so I know this is the 2021 Pixel Therapy Game, quote unquote, Game Awards episode. Yeah. But um, this game, Subnautica, actually originally came out in 2014, and it then became ported over to Xbox in 2018. And it is brand new to me, Spencer. And so it is on this list. Um, yeah, these are just the games we played this year. That doesn't mean they yeah. had to come out this year. <laughs> but um, Subnautica is one of those games that I had 
heard about often. I know that um, one of our first guests, Mars Dixon, uh, another a streamer on YouTube who streams under We Gay, like We as in W-I-I. Um, hi, Mars, we love you. Um, they played Subnautica. And um, so it was kind of on my radar. And I knew at a high level that it was a game about that mostly took place underwater. And so essentially... It's an open world survival game. Uh, it's also classified as an action adventure. It's developed and published by Unknown Worlds Entertainment. And essentially, you are free to explore the ocean on the alien planet called 4546B after the protagonist spaceship, the Aurora, crashes on the planet's surface. You are ejected in a escape pod. And that becomes the base from which you collect resources and, you know, try to evade some creatures potentially uh, in order to survive and maybe even escape the planet. Um, so I guess I got into it thinking that it was mostly going to be like an echo, the dolphin type situation where I'm just swimming around underwater. Sorry. That was like a super throwback to anyone who gets that on like the <laughs> Sega game gear. If you knew what I was talking about. It was on like, the Genesis too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and the Genesis. Um, but so I, I, in my head, thought it was going to be kind of like an underwater. I'd be swimming around, collecting, like crafting, um, mm-hmm. building up my base. Um, and I, I don't want to spoil too much because it definitely was like a mind blowing thing to me. Um, but the game opens up, and it kind of it it like the inscrutable depths of our planet's ocean. There's so much more going on underneath the surface than you may oh even be prepared or aware of going into it. Um, okay. It's for a game that came out in 2014 and even a game that was last updated in 2018. It's surprising. It holds up surprisingly well, like graphically it, um, and just, um, this this depth and scope of the world for like a, a small like indie game. Um, I was really impressed by everything that I was working with. Like I didn't feel dated in terms of um, what I'm looking for, like mechanically and interaction wise from a game. Like it was very much capturing my attention, um, even though it was a very lonely game because um, you're you're kind of just. You know, you, you have a radio, you're getting transmissions sort of giving you clues to where some other survivors might be. Um, but there's this creeping sense of dread that you might be the only one left. Um, sort of working with that and trying to focus on staying fed and hydrated while also trying to build up supplies you need to survive is a really great tension. Um, hmm. The reason I said thanks for helping me discover a new fear is because um, oxygen comes into play in Subnautica oh, as well. You have a certain amount of oxygen in your tank and... Um, you have to balance like diving deeper to discover new locations while also making sure you have enough time to get back to the surface. And one of the things that was very surprising to me is that um, it often felt like it, it took a lot less time to get down than it did to get back up. <laughs> and I would be very drawn in by like, the, like the game is full of these caves and sort of um, like it's, it, it's a game that trusts the player to just figure it out. Like there's not much mm-hmm. handholding. It, it very much is like a simulation of crashing on a planet <laughs> and then just trying to through trial and error, figure out what you need to do to keep your shit together. Um, and the way that the world is just entirely open to you from the jump um, is both overwhelming, but also really exciting. Like I found myself mm-hmm. just wanting to explore every inch of the underwater landscape. Um, but there's these points where you like, you can go deep, like maybe I, I think I've heard rumors that there's some 
places in the game that are as deep as like 2000 meters. Um, and it's so tempting to go down there. And I think too, the, the game is excellent about the way it uses light and color um, to kind of uh, illustrate the somewhat drastic changes that you can experience like in the ocean for real, like uh, going past certain depths or going into caves and things like that. And um, I didn't realize that I was someone who experienced like claustrophobia until that feeling of I have three seconds left and I will not reach the surface. Um, and that feeling of in my chest, the clenching and, mm. and the fear coming up of like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I'm not going to make it. Oh my God, I'm out of time. Oh my God, it's suffocating. It's closing in around me. Was not expecting that. <laughs> but yeah. um, it was a really powerful mechanic um, and uh, just a really cool game. And one of the touches that I really appreciated was when you run out of oxygen, the screen will start to turn black and it'll it'll kind of just start fading into blackness. And once you hit that fully black point, you pass out and you die. Um, but so there was this one Ugh. moment where the timer ran out. I was still I was like 10 meters from the surface and um, the screen was inching towards blackness. The screen went black and I was so close as if my fingers were brushing the water. And then all of a sudden I thought I was about to die, but instead of the dying sound, all the light comes back and my, my, my character is like, <gasps> like gasping for air. And I was like, Oh my God, I made it. But it's, <laughs> it's not so real. So, oh my God. Um, Subnautica really, fascinating game and there's a reason that it still continues to be named when people think about indie games that are incredible subnautica is definitely one of the names that is often dropped and i can proudly say that i understand why um definitely recommend picking it up um even on like the switch i know it recently was ported over and there's a sequel called subnautica below zero that i'm super excited to check out at some point when i recover from my fear of enclosed spaces (laughs) Oh my god! And that sounds very intense. <laughs> I've never Which I learned. I'm oh, sorry. No. I learned that thalassophobia is like the fear of open deep water, um, and so I have that now. <laughs> <laughs> the game that gave me a new phobia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that just I man I don't think I could play that game. That definitely <laughs> sounds like it. that would scare me a little bit. It reminds me a little bit too of uh, some of the stuff in the Outer Wilds where you're mm. kind of out in space um, in areas that you don't have oxygen and you're yeah. There's there's some uh, and there's underwater stuff in, in Outer Wilds too. That 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 really like intense uh, test chest clenching fear mm. of running out of oxygen. It's like, that's gotta be such like a deep instinct thing yes. that we have as humans of that being such a scary concept. And it's, Oh man, when games tap into that, it definitely gives me the heebie jeebies, but I've, I've barely even heard of Subnautica, let alone played it. That sounds like a really fascinating, fascinating game. It's really cool. Yeah. What you said about games when they're able to tap into those instinctual reactions and fears, I just think that's really cool. It really breaks out of its medium and and touches Mm. something deeply human inside all of us. (laughs) (laughs) And scares the bejesus out of us. Yes. And that. Oh my God. Okay. So I'm going to shake that off real quick. Uh, What's your next next award? Uh, Yeah. I'm going to just crank the wheel in a very different direction (laughs) and give, give the award for 
my angsty teen drama of the year, (laughs) which goes to 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim. Oh my gosh, (laughs) the juxtaposition, say more. (laughs) Uh, So folks who are longtime listeners will remember that I played this right at the beginning of the year, kind of around the holiday break time coming into the new year. 13 Sentinels uh, is a game developed by Vanillaware and published by Atlas. It technically released, uh, well, it released in Japan in 2019 and it released uh, worldwide in uh, fall of 2020, but I didn't get a chance to pick it up until early this year and I absolutely fell head over heels for this game. It's a bit of a, it's like a visual novel mashed up Mm. with a top down turn based. RPG, turn-based RPG mm-hmm. kind of game. Um, so you're alternating between high school drama with uh, a bunch of, like, a, a large cast of, of teen characters, um, and then, like, smash-cutting to <laughs> scenes of them fighting in mechs to save the world, question mark. Uh, it's a huge sci-fi epic with so many twists and turns. The game's broken up into chapters and you can kind of pick the order that you play the chapters in where they follow along with your different characters. So you can get really invested in particular characters and 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 play their chapters. And of course, all all of the characters are in uh, romantic couplings with each other. Oh, my God. So that just adds to to all the teen angstiness. Uh, it was such a fun ride. The twists and turns of the narrative and the way it all comes together in the end, like was surprisingly impressive uh, for as many threads as they were weaving through it. It actually does make some semblance of sense by the mm-hmm. end, which I thought was a, was an impressive feat. The artwork was really beautiful. There were some great characters that I just absolutely adored in that game and so overall um you know i (laughs) if folks recall i actually picked this up and started playing it right after finishing my like 200 plus hour playthrough of persona 5 royal and uh i will say that gets a shout out as like second favorite angsty Uh, teen drama of the year um but as i had played persona before i do want to give special recognition to to aegis rim which i just yeah what a fantastic game Folks should mm. definitely check that one out. If and it's a lot shorter than Persona, makes it a little easier. I think it was more in like the sixty or so hour range. Just a cool sixty hours. <laughs> Just a cool, cool sixty. Yeah. yeah. No, that's. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because that's definitely. I feel like one of my under the radar sort of games that needs more attention for how much it was doing. Like mm-hmm. I almost feel like um, maybe this is wrong, but I. In terms of the amount of intersecting storylines and just the depth of the story that was being told, it kind of reminds mm-hmm. me of of like a disco Elysium and in, in all that it was that all that's going on under the surface and that you were able to bring together through playing it. Like it just seems like a really cool masterpiece. Yeah. The the narrative and the way the characters all intersect with each other was incredibly complex. And the way they unveil that uh, feels like you're solving a mystery as you go through the game, as you kind of try to figure out what these characters relationships are to the, to each other and what their history is and why we're getting these like basically jump cuts to them being in mechs and saving the world. Like we're one minute they're in the high school classroom setting and then we're getting these, these, this feature mm. image of them in this, in this battle. And trying to figure out what are the things that are going to bring us to that point was re- was really cool. And even the way the visual novel elements, those sections play out, 
the choices that you make help kind of unfold the mystery and you can go back back and replay chapters if you don't make the right decision. So there's kind of this puzzle solving element to it as well to advance the narrative um, that just it just kept me invested the whole time as such a such a fun roller coaster of a game. Awesome. What's next for you? Yeah, so my penultimate award is the Late to the Party Award, which I am giving to The Gunk. (laughs) The Gunk is this action-adventure platformer by Image and Form and published by Thunderful Publishing. It literally just came out uh, a couple days ago, December 16th, for uh, Xbox, all the Xboxes, and on (laughs) Windows. On Steam. I love that you're just an Xbox gamer now. All I these know. games are on Xbox that you've said so far. I've just been, I don't know. I recently moved my Xbox into the living room where we have mm-hmm. a big TV. And so that's where my dog likes to hang out. So I find that um, he's soothed by me hanging out on the couch with him. And yeah. so I've just started playing all these Xbox games. <laughs> but no, tell me more about the gun because yeah. I want to check this one out. So it just came out. Um, I got it on Game Pass, hashtag Game Pass. Um, you play as these two uh, two folks, Ronnie and Bex, who are space junk scavengers. And they basically are scouring the universe looking for uh, materials that they can that they can draw energy from and then sell that to make a living. Um, they come across this strange planet that's giving off these high energy signals, but they're not sure like what that's coming from. And so they land on the planet to investigate. And the game is basically like Super Mario Sunshine meets Luigi's Mansion if it was in a context completely narratively and tonally removed from Nintendo. (laughs) (laughs) And what I mean by that is that you're essentially um, sucking up the gunk and re- uh-huh. in order to sort of revitalize this planet. So like this planet you land on, I've just started playing it, but this planet you land on is sort of covered in this gunky material. And you have this glove that lets you suck up, uh, lets you scan and then suck up stuff. And then you can um, like things like you can suck up um, like plants or alloys, like materials to upgrade your items. Um you can scan to learn more about uh, the different flora and fauna that are around you. Um, and then the sucking up the gunk part is this incredibly satisfying thing where the uh, section of the map will be covered in this goop and you use your tool to suck it all up and uncover a pass forward or transform the landscape back to what it was before. And okay. so these two women are trying to figure out what the hell is going on and also figure out if they can make a better life from the, for themselves by discovering what is at the source of this big energy read and take it back and, and sell it. Um, and you're also kind of learning more about the relationship between them. Um, so they're two women of color who have clearly been working together for a long time. Um, there's an intimacy between them that to me immediately read as queer. Like I have in my notes here also dot, dot, dot gay question mark. <laughs> um, and I was really excited. Um, like it was just something that it wasn't like the game was overtly like 
this is Bex, your partner. Like there's, there's nothing yet that's overtly like they are in a relationship, mm-hmm. but it's things like you learn within, within the opening minutes of the game that the two of them share a mortgage for the ship that they use. You mm-hmm. learn, uh, if you, using your scanner as Ronnie, you can scan Beck and, um, everything you scan is assigned like a value. And then there's a little description of like what it is. And it's like value incalculable um, like the best partner a woman could ask for and so it's like none of that is like you can't say 100% that it is gay but it's not not gay (laughs) (laughs) Uh, especially like the sharing a mortgage part and so I did google this game pretty shortly after that because I was like am I the only one who feels this way there's no way that I'm in the first like five minutes of this game and I um, I'm feeling this like is it just me Turns uh-huh. out it's not. Uh, reviewer Jade King wrote for The Gamer. I just wanted to read a quick excerpt from um, her article because I thought it was really good. The article is called The Gunk Has a Weird Queer Baiting Problem. So right off the bat, I can, I'm sure that that Mm-mm. probably insinuates that the relationship status is not confirmed. Um, however, I don't know. Who knows? Games continue to be worked on. Maybe I'll, I can hope for DLC at some point. But <laughs> Jade writes... I'm not saying that two adult women aren't able to maintain a close friendship without venturing into romance. And I love so many games, shows, and films that explore such a dynamic. But the gunk feels like so much more than that. There's a closeness in the tone of Ronnie and Beck's dialogue that implies something more. Small amounts of bickering softening into loving admiration as they reminisce about mistakes made in the past and how this planet could be the key to their eventual future. I care about my friends, but I wouldn't flirt with them over wireless communication or take out a mortgage on a spaceship with them. (laughs) Calling (laughs) Ronnie and Beck little more than business associates feels disingenuous. Mm. So there's something going on here that's real. And so I think, um, you know, the the two characters are very lovingly brought to life. The gameplay is very fun. Um, and it kind of has that mix of, um, you know, it's not open world. Like you're with, it's more of like a platformer type thing, but it has enough of that freedom that it's really giving me something um, a little deeper and kind of exciting than what I've been used to playing so far this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really, I'm giving it the light to the party award because it's, uh, <laughs> you know, 10 days before New Year's, but this game has just come out and it's really already super fun and interesting. Um, and I love to just having a game about two women just going through space together and trying Plain to and figure shit it up. all out. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I can't wait to check that one out. Yeah. Highly recommend. Get it on Game Pass, people. You know I will. <laughs> oh, my God. What's next for you? <laughs> uh, so my next award that I'll be giving out is called Not Even a Blip on My Radar. Damn. This is for the game that took me by complete surprise that I had no, I like, I didn't see any advanced trailers for hmm. this game. I had no idea it was coming. I wasn't so many because I'm so clued into video game news. Most of the time, even for smaller indie titles, I have seen a trailer somewhere. I'm keeping I'm looking out for a game before it comes out. But this game, I heard somebody saying on a podcast, oh, I'm playing this game and it's really interesting. Hmm. And I was off to the races that and I downloaded it that night and then messaged you and was like, you need to play this game. And Hmm. that game is Chicory, A uh, Colorful Tale. Yes! <laughs> Chicory took me by complete fucking surprise this year in the best possible way. 
you know, if if you're a listener to Pixel Therapy, then you heard our episode earlier this year where we just absolutely gushed and went down mm. <laughs> a big old rabbit hole on chicory. I think there's so much thematic depth to be found in the narrative of this game. And in particular, like themes that resonated with me so deeply mm. and profoundly of trying to find your place in the world, trying to figure feeling like you're not good enough to be doing the thing that people are looking at you to do this idea that everyone's uh, creative perspective has validity and, and how we treat art and, and creative people in society, the weight that's placed on them to perform at a certain level and the way that we shift our shift the the lines of like what good art is. I, there was so much in there about mental health, self-esteem. Mm. I, you know, I could just, I could write the dissertation mm-hmm. <laughs> on this Please game do. and the amount of themes that they were unpacking in very simple and honest ways. Mm-hmm. And all of that is wrapped up in this game that has really beautiful, artwork that is in black and white Mm -hmm. and that lets you fill in the world with color and get to be creative and expressive while you're playing it. Mm. The way all that came together, I just, yeah. Chicory is a special fucking game. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, you you say something now. I know you love chicory as well. <laughs> I do love chicory. And uh it's so funny. One of the awards that I had started to put together, but then I um I cut out because I we were, you know, for time and stuff, like we yeah, were like, let's yeah. do a, a list of this many. And it was the most giving, and I Aww. had chosen chicory. And yeah. it's because a lot of what you said, and also um I think this, the world that's been created is one that holds so much tenderness and care, not just towards its own characters, but to the player. I mm. think that a lot of what the game is telling us are messages that are painful and it delivers them unflinchingly in the sense that, you know, um, this is the reality of what life can be like. And, uh, you know, the most successful people can be very broken and hard on themselves inside. And, um, like what, what we look like on the outside is, can be so different from the battles we're fighting inside. And Mm -hmm. also just things around, like, none of us are the chosen one. We, we make that for ourselves. And, Mm -hmm. um, like it, like it, it has these messages that are so real, but also, hard and painful and you know this this is a game um that also shows you that everyone is an artist like everyone you know uh you feel clumsy and unskilled next to someone who you perceive as doing it better than you but to someone you that what you've made could be the greatest art in the world like to someone Mm -hmm. out there something you've made is a masterpiece and so um, I just think that how it did that through giving you the brush literally to kind of color the world and um and and giving you the choice to like, you know, you can color in the lines or you can go crazy and and make something chaotic and it's still beautiful. Um, I don't know. It's just such a rare thing to be given that space to be creative in whatever way you think is right. And to have that be rewarded and praised and not being made to Mm -hmm. feel as though you need to compare yourself to someone else. So I don't know. I just felt like it's, 
giving and giving and giving. And um, it's telling us things that are hard, but it's also holding us there. And so it's just awesome. Yeah, 100%. And I I didn't say that this at the beginning, but in, in case folks don't recall, Chicory from our conversation earlier this year. This is a it's a 2D adventure video game created by American Canadian indie developer Greg Lobanov. Hopefully, I'm saying that right, Greg. <laughs> and published by Finji, um, made by a small team, and it features you know your main character is an anthropomorphic dog who you pick the name for at the beginning of the game by it at the game asks you to enter in your favorite food. Yes, and so my dog was named Burrito. My dog was sushi. Sushi, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, with a magical paintbrush, uh, the your your main character gets an opportunity to essentially save the world. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really special game. It's out on most platforms. If if folks have not checked out Chicory yet, please run to your nearest. Uh, well, I think it's only available digitally. So run to your video game console <laughs> or your computer and buy and download this game. Thank you. That's the end of my presentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spencer, what's your next award? <laughs> I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to give, since it's like the end of the year and the holidays, uh-huh. we talk a lot about a lot of single player games, but I have the Holiday Icebreaker Award because maybe Ooh. you have a few cousins you haven't talked to in a few months or just uh, maybe you're doing a virtual holiday gathering and you want to play a game that you can play online, across platform. Um, and so this game is called First Class Trouble. It came out in November. This was a game that I've been following it feels like all year because I got really into playing online Catan and online Among Us like uh, mid-2020s into 2021. Um, and so this game, it was kind of like it was supposed to come out earlier this year and then it kind of got delayed and they were working on it more, which great, love to see it. Um, and so it finally came out last month. It's developed by Invisible Walls and published by Versus Evil. And it's for the PlayStation 4 and 5. You can get it on Switch. You can get it on Xbox One. You can get it on Steam. Um, and it's a multiplayer game for up to six people. And essentially, it's got this very like, what would it be like? 20s, 1920s, 1930s kind of noir st- vintage style. And mm-hmm. you're all a bunch of people on a spaceship. And the goal is to shut down a deadly AI. <laughs> Uh, essentially, you're a bunch of passengers on the ship, and some of you are regular people, and some of you are imposters who are AI. Oh boy. And you don't know who is who. And so you're trying to figure out who the imposters are before the game is over and before you get killed. And so it's essentially like Among Us for people who are looking for a more elevated experience. And so <laughs> I think it's really fun for like like people who are into um, what's it called? Fallout, like that kind of um, tongue in cheek, like okay, yeah. vintagey. Mm-hmm. Uh, delivery and and sort of styling, um, but mm-hmm. also having this kind of wry humor around like we're all out here to kind of blow each other up in some regards. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of really nails that balance. Um, and it's, you know, pretty quick paced. And I think the thing I think is really cool is that you could play it cross-platform. Um, so if someone has it on PS4 and you have it on Xbox, um, I believe you should still be able to do that to play with them. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. And so it's just like, I think it's one of those games that, um, like, I feel like 
multiplayer, especially online multiplayer, is such a like people are out here wanting to play games because we're sick of sitting on Zoom and just staring at each other and playing yeah. like Jackbox, the same Jackbox games over and over again. <laughs> and so it's been exciting to see more and more um, in- interesting, dynamic um, party games coming out. So I think First Class Trouble is definitely one that I re- would recommend checking out. Um, I also saw that Among Us VR is going to be a thing, which I'm super yeah. excited about speaking of Among Us type games. So <laughs> um, yeah, definitely just a little, little holiday pick for y'all heading home. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, I did, this game was on uh, PS Plus. Mm. Uh, so P- PlayStation, if you subscribe to PlayStation's PS Plus thing every month, they give you a few, like two to four free games a month. Nice. And so I, I definitely added it to my library then, but I haven't actually played it yet. Social like deception games like this really stress me out. I don't like lying to yeah. people. And it makes me very nervous. <laughs> Yeah. And uh yeah. So I don't I don't usually go for them, but maybe we'll we'll have to play this a bit oh my God, this yes. holiday season because I do have the game. New Year's, it's on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, my uh my final uh special award, uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna do a couple other a couple other dual awards here in a second, but, mm-hmm. but my final uh individual one is uh, the cutest little killer yeah. <laughs> award. <laughs> Cutest little killer goes to Death's Door. Uh, <laughs> Death's Door is a 2021 action adventure video game developed by Acid Nerve uh, and published by Devolver Digital. This is the game that folks might remember me talking about earlier this year, where you play as a little crow who is essentially a grim reaper who goes around reaping souls. And it's just adorable. The art style is absolutely adorable. Mm. And yet it's a game that's very much about the idea of, of death and how everyone has a, has an endpoint on their life and mm. how actually death is a natural part of life. And if we are hoarding power and time and energy that, that uh, has a negative impact on the world and the space around us. And so as this cute little crow, <laughs> you go around and you kill a bunch of stuff. With a cool sword, right? <laughs> With a very cool sword. You also get like a little grappling hook and a little bow and arrow. He's very adorable um, and he he uncovers a very deep mystery that's happening in this world that's that's causing all of this soul energy to get hoarded, and yeah, just a just a very adorable little game, yeah. really great combat. Um, it's essentially a souls like game. Mm where uh, when you die, you get reset back to a checkpoint. You have to kind of make your way back to where you died to gather your experience. But um, which usually those games, I find them pretty difficult. But I think the the combat in this game had a nice level of of the way the difficulty um, went over the game, the way it encouraged you to keep going, to come back to uh, the places that you had been and, and fight your way through them. The checkpointing was much more generous than a Souls game typically tends to be. And the way it kind of eased me into those mechanics and systems uh, was great. It really like let me learn how to play the game in a way that didn't feel frustrating at all. I don't remember getting frustrated at this game even once, which is rare for me mm. with a game that has kind of harder combat. Usually mm-hmm. I end up feeling frustrated because I feel like the game is cheating me in some way mm. or or like I'm not getting ample time to learn the mechanics. Mm. And I think that the way this game was designed, the way they laid out the combat and the level of design really gave me the time that I personally needed to 
to pick up on things and feel like I was getting better. Even when I was dying, I felt like I was learning and that I wasn't being so horribly punished for fucking up. Um, so yeah, really That's fun awesome. experience with this game, but love the artwork, love the cute little, little crow killer. Yeah. And he's so crowy, like the way, <laughs> like you would describe like his, how his head would mm-hmm. cock and he'd be just having little bird movements and he's just a little guy, a little bird guy. Yeah. He doesn't even have dialogue in the game. Like he's, <laughs> he's 100% a bird yeah. and he cocks his little head and yeah, he's very cute. Very love fucking it. cute. All right. So as I said, uh, Spencer and I have a couple of awards that uh, we might be giving the award to different things, but that we're we're going to end the episode by doing our favorite character of the year in games and then our, our personal game of the years. So I'm going to look to you now, Spencer. It is time. <laughs> Who is your favorite character in video games this so, year? Okay. I'm sure this will be a surprise to no one who remembers the episode we were talking about this game but my award for character of the year which i'm also referring to as the hottest in the office award anyone who watches the office and knows that particular dundee then (laughs) shout out office fans um but this award is going to ratchet from ratchet and clank on ripped apart okay yeah and i just think that so this game a rift apart was a revival of or just a continuation slash invigor reinvigorating addition to the Ratchet and Clank series. Um, it came out in June of this year, and it's a third-person shooter. It's a platformer um, developed by Insomniac Games and published by Sony for the PS5. Um, it's an absolutely gorgeous platformer, but that's not what I'm here to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just think that you know. I don't know, maybe this is corny, but we live in a world with a lot of negativity and it can be hard to stay positive in the face of insurmountable galactic problems or just the regular problems of living day to day as a person trying to make it work during a pandemic and after. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just think Ratchet embodies a lot of maybe what I aspire to in that, um, you know, he's someone who handles a lot of stress with aplomb and he never takes out his frustration on others. He never even really gets mad or raises his voice. Um, He expresses when he's been hurt and when he um, like expresses care and concern for his comrades, but he's never someone who lets his own fears cloud how he communicates or um, the image he presents. Like he, he, he is what you get. Like there's nothing that he's concealing. There's no ulterior motive that he's hiding. He's just like a really Mm -hmm. good person. Um, Mm -hmm. And on top of that, I think he's a great example of unpacking or, or undoing toxic masculinity. Like he is Mm -hmm. a guy, he works on ships and cars and he loves guns and things that go boom. And Mm -hmm. he, uh, you know, he kicks ass and shoots up a lot of baddies. (laughs) (laughs) But um, he's not ever like making others feel lesser than like he never, mm-hmm. he never acts like, Oh, I'm the hero. And therefore you need to look up to me or you need to roll out the red carpet for me. Like he is humble and he uplifts others and he is just a really cool guy. And so um, it's been awesome to be reunited with this character in, in this year with this new game. And I'm just, I just think that he's a great example for anyone playing games um, of a hero who doesn't have to be 
this idea of what we think a strong man needs to look or act like. Yeah, that's that's so true. Uh, Ratchet is just the, the other thing I was thinking of is like as you were talking is that he specifically like in the narrative of a rift apart uh he he is struggling with like some internal emotional turmoil and even the way he deals with that where he it is a rare moment where he's not being so forthcoming and mm-hmm. the way his best friend clank kind of notices that and tries to call him out but it's all just so uh it's just handled so well and he does he does try to process that and like is trying to understand why he's having the feelings that he's having and is able to articulate that like he's a very He's a very good communicator. He's yeah. like a very good example of uh, even when we can get overwhelmed by our emotions or be struggling with something that's challenging the way that uh, if we try to be honest and communicate and put trust in the people around us, like how that mm. can open us up to being able to process that experience and like face the next thing together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's just, he's a really fucking wholesome dude. <laughs> wholesome is the word. I think yeah. on that it just reminded me, like, I think he also validates the importance of chosen family as much as blood ties. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I don't want to spoil too much by getting into what I mean by that, but I think, I mean, he is just someone who really honors and values and shows up for his friends, which sounds typical for any sort of hero, but I think is also really specific in how he demonstrates that in a way that is to be uh, seen as a role model. I just think it's really great writing and great, great character. 100%. I love that pick. Now you. Now me. Uh, so the my favorite character of the year uh, that I want to call it, it was a surprise. It's a surprise to me as I was thinking about this, that this was the the character that surfaced to the top for me. But for me, I think it was Drax from Marvel's Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. I think that he was my favorite character of the year. Um, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, it's an action-adventure video game with kind of like some RTS, uh, real-time strategy elements, developed by Eidos Montreal and published by Square Enix. And... This game, I wasn't expecting it to be much. Mm-hmm. I was kind of like, you know, I like MCU. I like the Guardians. Mm. Um, I'm going to check this out. But, you know, early previews of the game and trailers had been kind of mixed results and wasn't too sure what to expect. And then I got the game and, you know, the gameplay could have been better. There were moments that were a little janky, but the art was beautiful. <laughs> the characterizations were fun. Um, and that most importantly, that the narrative was surprisingly powerful and i really ended up loving these versions of the characters they're almost like a slightly alternate reality version of the mcu characters that we get and and in most cases i found them uh to be a little bit better like they're they still play on the humor of guardians in the you know guardians of the galaxy if if you've seen the movies or if you've read the comics you know there's a lot of humor in those characters that that gets really played up especially in in the mcu versions of the characters the marvel cinematic universe versions of the characters and the game maintains that humor but kind of takes away i think i think the guardians end up coming across as a little dumb mm. for lack of a better word in in the films they kind of lean into them being not super intelligent Mm. and that is that is often played for jokes and i think drax in particular is often his character in the films is really played for laughs and you know that he's got a darker history but Mm. the way that his uh his particular um alien race is played like they're very literal people 
and a lot of times that that's that's really played for for laughs and that he's really played up as a me- a bit of a meathead mm. um and the game maintains some of that like he still has this very literal way of thinking about things and the way he talks he still says things that are kind of bizarre um about kind of some of the the interesting ways that his culture interacts with each other and how they view relationships but what they don't make him in the games is a meathead Mm. he's actually a real he has a lot of emotional depth despite this really literal way of looking at the world that i think in the movies gets played as like well, he's very literal, so there's not a lot of emotion there. And and we only get rare moments where we're seeing kind of his dark past and the fact that he's lost his family. Mm. The game was able to let that breathe a bit more. And they also positioned him as a sort of mentor figure to Peter Quill, uh, to Star-Lord, in a way that I thought was super interesting. Um, especially because in the in the narrative of the video game, Peter is... I don't think it's a spoiler to say this. You learn this in like within the first quarter of the game, but there's this question of paternity. Peter might be a father. And that question kind of hangs over the vast majority of the game as to whether or not he is the father of this, this character that they've introduced and the conversations that they give him with Drax about fatherhood, about um, having a family and what that means, the way that all plays into the team dynamics that they have there were several scenes in the game where Drax is just given long moments to really uh, kind of dwell on what he's been through and what has happened to him, how mm. he lost his family, how he uh, vengeance drove him on this war path where he killed tons of people trying to get to Thanos. And, and now he's, he's celebrated as a war hero mm. for, for killing Thanos in the narrative of the game. You know, this is all behind him at the point that we meet him in the game, but He's he's lifted up as a war hero, but he still carries all of this guilt for all of the lives that he took and mm. and trying to live with that as he considers like the person he was before that, the family man that he was before that, and how he doesn't have any of that now. He just has this loss mm. um and this emptiness because the revenge didn't get him anywhere. Mm. And yet he's he's a celebrated hero. So I thought the way all of that plays out with him in the game was just really powerful. He was a really interesting character and yet he was still really funny. There were several moments <laughs> that you get a really good laugh for him. Um, and so all the, all that kind of together, he, he was in the game. He's voiced by Jason Cavalier. I think the actor did a fantastic job. Again, it's something that's kind of a shade of what we see in the MCU. And yet it's given a certain level of depth that I think just makes it better and more real. I think the characters in the game feel more human mm. than the characters that we get in the movies. And I love the MCU guardians. I think they're a lot of fun, but there is definitely an, an added layer of depth that was given to the characters in the game that I really appreciated. And, and Drax was a standout in that cast. for mm. me. Mm. That's awesome. Oh my God. I want to play this game now. <laughs> <laughs> you should, I think, I think you'd like it. I think you would, uh, the actual combat mechanics, I don't think are, I think they're serviceable. I've also heard other people say that they they kind of just played it for the narrative and turned the game way down to easy. The game has a lot of great accessibility options, so you can really tweak the combat to what you want to get out of it and make it pretty easy. I think the narrative alone, though, is worth playing this game for. The dialogue between mm. the characters, the line-by-line writing is absolutely fantastic, and I laughed out loud <laughs> several times playing this game. So I think that for that aspect of it alone, it is worth it's worth checking out. Mm. Awesome. Spencer, 
the time has come to reveal our games of the year? Mm-hmm. Question mark. <laughs> what is your game of the year, Spencer? If you had to pick, if you had to put a label on it, knowing that all of these games that we've talked about today have touched us so deeply, if you had to say, what is the game that left the greatest impact on you this year? So my game of the year was definitely like not one that I even expected that I would particularly enjoy playing. Like it just sounded kind of interesting um, because you were starting to play it and tell me about it. And then once I started getting into it, it was like for the first time in years, I was sitting at my computer until three o'clock in the morning, like playing this game. And so the game for my game of the year is Inscription. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, spoiler, that's my game of the year, too. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Uh oh, it, well, okay. Do you want me to you want me to do the thing? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I- I- Inscription is a uh it's a 2021 horror deck building video game oh my god. developed by Daniel Mullins Games and published by Devolver Digital. Spencer and I were geeking out about it a few episodes ago. And, you know, when we came together today, we legitimately did not know uh, when we initially sat down (laughs) that we were both going to say Inscription was our game of the year. So yeah, Jamie was was like, don't tell me anything. Yeah, I I I wanted to be surprised. I wanted to be real for the podcast. (laughs) But that's fantastic. You know, oh, my God. Why, Why is Inscription your game of the year, Spencer? Because it's just this endless Russian doll of twists and it is a game about games and you don't Mm -hmm. even realize that until you're too deep in to even think of backing out nor would you want to um yeah and it's just such a celebration of everything that games are or can be um like even down to how it was built and all of the, like there are pieces in it that are just sort of recognizable. If you're someone who spent time online or spent time playing games, like there's just so much layered in that feels both familiar and absolutely new. And it's just genius in ways that I can't even really fully articulate. Yeah. I I mean, I think, I don't know if I can say it better than that. Uh, This game had me, from the opening moments, I was, I'm still so, if inscription was just the first third of inscription, Mm. I would still love it with my whole heart. Mm. I don't know if it would be my game of the year, but I would still love it with my whole heart. The art style, the narrative, the way they trickle out the lore, the escape room elements Mm -hmm. of that opening, you know, even just the the first time you realize you can stand up from the table (laughs) Mm -hmm. in this deck building game that you are playing and that you can interact with elements of the room you are in was such a mind blowing moment. It is a Russian nesting doll of a game. It is in inception. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Because it just, you constantly feel like you're appealing back another layer and the game walks you through that process of finding those new layers in such an elegant way. Like, you can't not find them, Mm -hmm. right? Like I don't think you're inside of a puzzle box and just every door that you open, you keep wondering like how much further down the rabbit hole can we go? Like, and it just, it just keeps going. And the fact that all of that 
comes out in service of a narrative that is such an astute metaphor for the the game development process, mm. for the way we create, for what we look for in in games mm-hmm. is just wow. And then I think when you take that and you extra you go out into the real world and what this game has become for people even in the real world, mm. uh, folks are actually tracking down clues i don't want to spoil anything but there's this game alludes to clues that exist in the real world and you know intense redditors have actually tracked down these breadcrumbs that the game game developer has left for them to piece together this whole extraneous narrative that exists beyond the game so it's it's so much more than even just the game that you played at the computer Mm. it it has become something more beyond and into the real world. And Mm -hmm. I just, I think it's a very unique and special experience. I think I was really, I I didn't know what I saw the early trailers for this game and was like, Oh, this looks like a cool, creepy card Mm. game. I'm going to play this. And I didn't know you, you don't know. They Mm -hmm. did such a good job of not telling you how much Mm -hmm. more it was Mm. and the perpetual surprise and just delight. Yeah. At, at getting to go through that and experience it and just like yelling at my computer, like, what? What is happening? That's happening now. <laughs> I just, those experiences are so rare. I feel yes. like in a world where information is so readily available mm-hmm. at our fingertips, and to even be listening to reviewers talking about the game, and for reviewers like me listening to people who are playing the game and telling people to go play it who were still only in the first third of the game. <laughs> And had no idea about the twists that were coming. And we're like, yeah, people should check this out. This is pretty interesting. And me being like, you don't even know. You're not even there yet. Uh, it's, it is just wild. What a, what a fantastic experience. What a what a wonderful surprise mm-hmm. that we got this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And just, I, I think you said it perfectly. I think something you said a minute ago made me think about how um, something that I was really grateful for was just how it made me think about why I even play games or Mm -hmm. what makes a game enjoyable. And um, there was a part of the game where I was becoming resistant to it. And I got, and Jamie, it was you who helped me realize like maybe my resistance isn't the game's fault. There's something wrong with the game. It's putting me in that position because it's teaching me something about myself and what I look for in games. And that Mm -hmm. discomfort is part of the point. And Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah 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 it's just it's just awesome to have a game so thoughtfully built that it's having you examine everything about why you play as well as delighting you while you're playing it's just it's just great yeah so that's it folks that is 2021 our year of games (laughs) it was a great fucking year for video games no, we didn't get God of War Ragnarok or the next Horizon Zero Dawn. Those are coming next year. Next, next year's going to be, be another one. great year. <laughs> but man, there were so many, uh, I say smaller just in terms of length, in terms of scope, but so many independent games that I played this year mm. that I don't think I would have had time for if we'd been playing God of War Ragnarok True. and Horizon Zero well not what's the horizon (laughs) forbidden west (laughs) horizon forbidden west yes i'm just like the next horizon zero dawn whatever that's called i swear i play video games (laughs) yeah so yeah i i'm grateful that we had that time Mm -hmm. and now i don't know how i'm possibly going to squeeze all of the smaller games in amidst the big ones next year oh my god i know next year's gonna be crazy i got i'm gonna have to quit my job can't wait (laughs) just gonna have to break that to my partner (laughs) 
<laughs> just uh, use those saved up sick days. <laughs> there we go. There we go. I do have a lot of those. All right, folks, time is up both for us today and for the year 2021. Somehow. <laughs> uh, thank you for tuning in. And we hope that listening to our thoughts and feelings gave you some thoughts and feelings of your own. If you want more pixel therapy, you should definitely come check us out at patreon.com slash pixel therapy pod, where you can snag that monthly bonus episode for just $2 a month. Plus have opportunities to get involved with the community and influence the show directly. If you're not up for contributing monetarily, though, uh, and you did enjoy this episode, you can show your support for free by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts and following us on Twitter and Instagram at Pixel Therapy Pod. I promise you that stuff is just as important to us, and we do appreciate it a lot. Remember that Pixel Therapy is a happy member of the But Why Though Podcast Network, so you can support us by supporting them and heading over to butwhythoughpodcast.com. That's though with a T-H-O. Take a peek at the inclusive geek community they're building around pop culture news reviews and kick-ass podcasts like yours truly. And you can keep up with all of this stuff and more by visiting our website at pixeltherapypod.com. Finally, since we like to put our money and our energy where our mouth is, we end every episode with a recommended side quest. This week, we want to draw your attention to a GoFundMe put together by Jessica Gonzalez called the ABK Strike Fund. You can find it by Googling ABK Strike Fund or visiting GoFundMe.com slash F slash ABK dash strike dash fund. Um, and essentially... As some folks may know already, um, but if you don't, definitely recommend looking up um, the Activision Blizzard discrimination case. Um, so this happened earlier this summer where an article was published which highlighted the abuse, harassment, and discrimination that has occurred within the Activision Blizzard offices. Um, they are a game development company studio. They're huge. Um, and essentially... Since that came out, Activision Blizzard leaders have been continuously abusing, union busting, um, essentially ignoring the wishes of their workers. Um, CEO Bobby Kotick sucks. So like definitely look him up and how much he sucks. Um, there's been a lot of awful events happening at Activision Blizzard since then. Um, but there have also been workers um, rallying together within the company. Um, and these employees have put together a work stoppage or they've begun a work stoppage until demands are met and worker representation is given a place within the company. Um, so we highly encourage y'all to read more into the specifics and the, there's a detailed timeline. There are many articles covering what exactly has gone down, um, but this fund is being set up to support these workers as they continue their strike um, and to help them advocate for better working conditions um, and a better future for a company that has created, um, you know, games that many people know and love and, and these folks want to see this company do better. Um, so again, you can learn more and donate at gofundme.com slash F slash ABK dash strike dash fund. Yeah. Really important to us. If you know, just if you're someone that enjoys Activision Blizzard games, these these folks that you know, this is World of Warcraft, this is Call of Duty. These are some of the biggest games that get made in the industry, and it's just important to stand in solidarity with these workers because the treatment that they these passionate people are undergoing to make these games is abhorrent. So, thank you for that side quest, Spencer. That is our show for today. 
So go forth, run a story mission, level up some stats, and don't forget to hug an NPC every now and then, especially around the holidays. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And speaking of the holidays, we are taking a slightly extended break between episodes uh, just to give Spencer and I a little time off. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for your patience with us. We will be back resuming our regular episode schedule starting January 11th. So you just got to wait three weeks instead of two weeks this time, (laughs) folks. I'm sorry about the wait, but I promise you we will be back soon (laughs) next year with some more pixel Pixel therapy. therapy. (laughs) Bye-bye.